Pigeons 420. Mr. Grow It. And Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. From the Stash Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dutch Bro USA. Nutrients made for growers by growers. From the base nutrients to the explode booster. Dutch Pro USA is bringing you the essentials that all growers need without the extra bottles. Visit Dutch Pro USA or find their products on Amazon.com. Spider Farmer LED, one of the leaders in affordable quality LED lighting for growers. From the SF Quantum Board Series to the SE Bar Style LEDs, Spider Farmer has you covered without breaking the bank. Find Spider Farmer LEDs on Amazon.com. And AC Infinity, innovators in the air game, providing state-of-the-art inline fans, tents, and more to the home grower. Visit acinfinity.com or Amazon to pick up some of their products. And you could save money with any of these brands by checking out the discount codes below in the description. From the Stash Podcast, it's your boy Rob from COTV, Mr. Grow It, and Pigeons. What up, boys? Hey. What up? Good to be back. Another episode. Let's do it. Another one for the books. I know. Feels good, dude. Feels good. Big shout out, as you guys probably already heard, big shout out to the sponsors making this happen. Showing the love, man. Actually, tonight I'm going to be setting up my AC Infinity tent. I'm taking down the Zazzy. Finally moved everything into the flower room. Ooh, it's time. Putting the AC up. I just didn't have the room, so I, I waited a little bit longer than I anticipated just because I had this flowering plant that took so damn long, dude. It was supposed to, It's weird because I had two cuts. I thought they were the same, but dude told me they were two cuts from this, the, the run of CZ had, and I'm like, okay, so you gave me two totally different phenotypes. It's like, now this makes more sense because one of them took like 11 weeks the other one was done in nine. And I'm like, this <laughs> isn't the same. Quite but the strange. smoke seems the same, which is so crazy about it. Like, it seems identical in look, smell, everything. But it's like, I honestly, with this one, though, I had to feed her more. I had to water her more. I had to do everything more. And it took longer. It's like, if I don't like either of them, if I was going to keep the two, it's like common sense is keep the one I had less work. You know, I watered this one probably four to five times a week as were the other one and the roots were the same it's just like it seemed like it was hungrier it was thirstier it wanted more it took more to make it basic and i'm not doing that ever again i'm done with it purple cookie dough you're gone kind of hurts when you think you've got the same pheno and two guts and throw a fucking can of worms at you you know that yeah kind of well then i'm looking at i'm like how are you still so young like what the hell's going on like why is it taking so long and again the the process of feeding it and all these different things i'm like this is ridiculous man and that's kind of part of what we're talking about in in this episode is not the feeding side but the watering side and Mm -hmm. it's really important to know the plant to know the environment and to know the basics of watering because honestly in this case here i was watering so much more that if you're looking at like your water bill your roi your time put in all these things wasn't worth it man if i'm in this place watering five to six times a week and feeding two like seven days a week it was getting stuff I'm not doing that anymore I'm not doing it i'm done Can't yeah and the container size is going to be a big piece of it as well right if you've got a larger container smaller plant you have to water less frequently than you would as a larger plant and a smaller container for example so there's a lot of variables when it comes to watering right we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things not just not a water right that will be part of it uh, different techniques on how to water but about water sources ph everything that goes into it i've got a decent list here that we're going to get into and i think it's going to be a good episode to um uh, talk about the different ways to do it because there are a lot of different ways and a lot of things that come into water yeah, totally agree. I, I think starting out was your water source or water type. My first indoor grow was at a place that had well water. 
So it was a little more forgiving. And you'd almost think it wouldn't be because the control in the city would be different. But when you're dealing with chlorine and chloramine, it's a big factor that's going to kill off the beneficial things you're putting into the water there. And it's going to hurt the plant overall. Now, I know people who will just water anyways, and they're fine. But I just don't see the benefit there. Now, a plant is going to survive. Is it going to thrive? That's two different things. So knowing your water type is very important, whether you're getting city water, depending on even the PPM of your city water and what's in that water. You know, it, it really it varies. Some places they don't even have fluoride or, or certain things in the water as where, you know, other states, other parts of the world, they're going to have it. So not that fluoride is going to play as much of a factor, but knowing what's in that damn water is definitely play the factor. You don't want to go into it blindly and then start adding things into that water just because it's clear doesn't mean it's clear of everything. That's right. You can actually, most most towns, cities offer you a breakdown of what is found in their their water source, whether it's iron, calcium, uh, chlorine, what, what have you. You can actually get that from your town office or the, your city. So something to look into because watering, although seems to, like very rudimentary and very simple, can actually be one of the most difficult things to kind of grasp as you become a gardener because... You know, it's it's something that's just so simple, but yet I've I've come across folks that confuse, you know, frequency with amount or get kind of caught up in what's in their water. I particularly enjoyed um, Dutch Pro Nutrients, slightly biased here based on the sponsorship, but I really enjoyed that they have the the RO system. They've got uh, a system that's got you know that's essentially crafted around different water types. And I think that's that's a huge advantage when it comes to using synthetic nutrients is having a system that's kind of taking into consideration what's already in your water. And one more thing to add about the, the water. So when you do get that water report um, from your local water, municipal, uh, city, water system, whatever, what do you want to call it? Um, you know, you might not be able to read that and kind of understand um, how that's going to impact your plants, right? And there are consultants out there. I want to give a big shout out to Bryant Mason, the soil doctor. He does consulting for water samples as well as soil samples. So it might be a good idea to, to send in a water sample. I believe he goes through Logan Labs. So you'd send in your water sample to Logan Labs. Then you contact him for consulting and he'd tell you exactly what's going on. He'd say, oh, you got this in here, this in here. This is what you can do. You have to be careful here because this might bind to this and could make it unavailable, so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, just another thing to kind of add on there. You might have that report. You might want to spend a couple bucks extra to get uh, consulting so you can kind of get an expert in there to kind of give you advice on on what you what you can do. Yeah, I and sure even what you're reading. You know, a lot I was of say, I sure still wouldn't know what the fuck I was reading. Yeah, dude, I was just looking at the report for my area right here just to see the PPM. And that's an interesting thing. So, like, what's your PPM on average out of the tap? Uh, Chris, what do you see? 485 out of the tap. So it's super high compared to a lot yeah. of people. I know a lot of people are going to cringe there. I think it's one of the highest uh, in the U.S. And uh, it's filled with all sorts of crap in there. I think 80 ppm of that is sodium alone. So it's very difficult for me to so use my water source here. In Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's difficult to use just tap water straight out of the tap here in my experience. I've tried to use it. Plants have gotten through it, but it's definitely tough to keep that proper balance of nutrients uh, without nutrients locking out of the nutrients causing deficiencies toxicity so on and so forth yeah dude I, I michigan here well where i'm at in particular i'm right near great lakes and suburban areas so they go hard in the water it's about 250 and i have had 
variables where all of a sudden I check it and it's like 325. And I'm like, what the fuck? Or my pH, that's another one, pH out of the tap is different one day. And so I'm like, oh, I'm good. I could just add XYZ nutrients and it normally goes down to this. And then all of a sudden in three weeks, I look and it's coming out at like nine. I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on? Other times it's like real low, like it, it varies. And, you know, Michigan is known for uh, the beautiful situation that our government has done to fucking Flint. So uh, I'm, I don't trust any of the water. I don't trust any of the people when they tell me the water reports, like, because we know they've lied. We know it like 100 mm-hmm. percent. And and I think their punishment was they can't be politicians anymore, I guess. So now I don't have any faith in the reports, even in my little suburban town. I don't trust it. So it's, it, I check it my every time myself with the PPM. Their annual report is not accurate. They're, maybe they're doing an average because it changes. Well, you can I, like I, I, I'm very thankful, boys. I'm listening to you guys with your parts per million. I'm under twenty, uh, wow. right from the tap. Right from the tap. Whoa! I have less parts per million in my tap water than the bottled water you're going to buy from your convenience store. Um, and that's that's nuts, dude. That's because my entire my town is on an ro system we've got we've got a brand new state-of-the-art water system and it was constructed last year and before that i too was 300 plus and you know it was it wasn't tough to manage but you know you had to take things into consideration you know you'd see the odd you know uh toxicity you know and try to try to figure where it was coming from um but no having having it low is amazing i water my i used to keep a reservoir for water you know, a tote to dechlorinate. I water right, uh, the water comes right out of my tap into the jug. Jug gets mixed with nutrients into the plant. Done. Lucky bastard. Oh, You're telling me. Over myself. You're telling so me. Much that really nice mug. Don't give it too much attention. Oh, based on I can't. I can't. But yeah, pretty cool. I got it from this attitude company. Mm, mm, Bean was, Bank. Mm, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I know. That's cool. I was going to dabble in the line there. It, um, I'm I, pushing it, Sue. I'm pushing it, Sue. Um, <laughs> watering, though, I, 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 I again, I, as I said earlier, one of the easiest yet hardest things to, to conquer. One of the most common questions I receive is how much water do you water your plants with? And there's kind of it, it really depends in terms of when, where am I in the stage of growth? Am I at the very beginning? Um, because I'll water enough to saturate, you know, um, at the seedling stage, you're not looking for a soaking pot. I don't think, you know, there's no nutrients in there. Not a lot. Uh, you don't need to, you don't need to get runoff for a seedling. So I'm using a lot less water. Um, but you know, as you, as you progress yourself into the vegetation, vegetative state, um, that's when I'm looking for, you know, good saturated pots, 10% runoff. At this point, you're already adding uh, nutrients. Um, but uh, what I wanted to touch on is people often get confused about overwatering, and they confuse frequency of watering with the amount of water that you use. And I remember watching shout out to, uh, Clark and Alice from that high couple. They, they were, uh, they were doing a, a kind of a grow series where they were watering or they're growing their plants in a little fucking unrealistic triangular tent it was like a pyramid and it was no bigger than like a foot and a half high and a foot and a half wide and I'm, i could they could barely put a light in it but when you don't know you don't know and so they they were watering a like a one gallon pot with a shot glass <laughs> because they didn't want to quote unquote over water 
And now, of course, easy to laugh, but very understandable in terms of how you came to that conclusion, because, you know, people always say the, the number one mistake people make with their plants, I would argue, is they overwater too soon, too much water, because you get excited. You want to, you want these plants to grow and you feel that water is going to do it and so on and so forth. But no, it, it, you're not going to overwater by the amount of water. You're going to overwater by the frequency in water. You're watering too often. That's a really good point. Yeah, I've uh, released videos before and I, I laugh every time I get the con. Once in a while, I'll get a comment, right, where there's different ways. Some people will slowly pour the water into the medium and let it soak in a little bit. Then there's the, the flood, the medium technique, which I like to call, which is just you dump whatever amount you have, just flood it. It kind of fills up to the brim and then slowly kind of works its way down evenly throughout the medium. <laughs> and there's people that comment, I put like, you know, a quarter of a gallon into like a three gallon pot, but I flood do the flood medium technique. So it fills all up. They're like, Oh my God, you're overwatering. It's like, no, it's like I've only poured a quarter of a gallon in there. That's not considered overwatering. So I'm really glad you mentioned that pigeons. It's not really the amount that's going to be considered overwatering, but it's, it's the frequency that's considered overwatering, you know, because what happens there is the root zone gets choked up. Some people don't know this, but the ox the roots also need oxygen as well. So when you are constantly flooding, the medium, you know, day after day, for example, when you're adding water, when it doesn't need to be watered, when there's already enough saturation in there, you're kind of drowning the roots, right? It's not getting that oxygen. You're also killing off your microbes, believe it or not, right? Microbes mm. aren't able to survive in that as well. So um, yeah, it's, it is important to let your medium dry out a little bit before uh, rewatering it in, because if you are just hammering water in every day or so, and it's super saturated, then it could lead to uh, overwatering symptoms. So I've my never... outdoor plants just just ran into that because it rained the day after I watered and they were mm. a little bit covered. But I mean, it got so bad that I'm, I'm worried about root rot right now. So what I end up doing is I watered with some hydrogen peroxide, like about a teaspoon there and a gallon. And that's going to help kill off any bacteria and, and work to basically get that thriving roots back. It's, it's going to kill off some of that rot. It doesn't completely do it. But when you're at the stage where it's at right now, where I'm concerned that fuck that watering was very heavy like i can't move the pot that bitch is like it's so big it's also a 20 gallon pot so that doesn't help but i watered the day before and then it had one of the heaviest rains we've had all year the next day and so it became so oversaturated that now i had to move it completely out of you know the area just in case it rained again so it can dry out i got to give it days to dry out now and it's messed up my whole watering cycle so the the frequency yes but also the amount can play a factor if you just like Everything's drained out. And this is, again, this is not an organic run, so uh, having the runoff is okay. If you do have an organic run, you probably don't want to have runoff. But in this case, I saw there was runoff because there's, like, kind of sand near the area, and the sand's all black and nasty from the soil. Then the next day it came, and it spread so far out. I'm like, oh, my God. Where the frequency there was, like, gallons and gallons of water that went in there. And that that became excessive. So I think there is a fine line with frequency with uh amount you know it can't go ridiculous nobody in the right mind would consciously add that much water this was an accident no right mother nature's gonna take you for a ride regardless she's rude yeah, sometimes I, I, I would think the fine line then changes from you're not watering anymore you're now flushing your plants yeah but, and, and that's not necessary like it's not most of the time 
is not necessary, you know, throughout the throughout the garden cycle. I've never been able to do the flood technique, as you mentioned, Chris. I use fabric pots. I have to go slowly or it it overruns the sides of the dirt and runs out the side of the pot. So frustratingly enough, I have to only put in a, a quarter gallon at a time. And it's painful. It's painful. You pour a little bit, you kind of saturate the top of the pot, and you find as you get saturated, it's opened up the the pockets within the, the the soil so then it's able to receive more water but it's only about say six cups of water uh, out of a huge watering can and put it down walk away come back add a little more a little bit more than the six cups put it away and it, it can be quite time consuming but that's the fabric pots yeah and the fabric pots have a benefit don't get me wrong oh, i've had issues where if you've got a dry media already and you water through there You'll think that you're overwatering because it runs out so quickly, but that's right. it's, a, it's a misconception because realistically, it's just there's it's easier to run through. I mean, it's like putting it through nothing. It's like a cotton, and some absorbs, but majority of it goes top, right through. But yeah, hasn't it's gone in the pot at all. The roots still need to get it, and so that's where sometimes watering and then going back and not having um, the frequency go or the the amount so heavy at that one time like how chris will let it fill up to the top and it sinks down it's easier to do in a plastic pot i see that night and day i can't do that in the fabric pots it'll leak right out and i've got a big mess and then all of a sudden it's sitting there and it's almost a wick type of approach where the bottom of the pot is absorbing the moisture and i see that even when my runoff goes i'll go back in an hour later and it's gone i'm like oh okay i guess you still were a little thirsty you took it. Yeah, and I was going to mention that if if, you, if your soil is dry to the point where it's hydrophobic, uh, then doing that flood system technique, it's not going to work very well. You're, it's generally advised to do a slow watering at that point to try to get that um, medium saturated. Because if you do just flood the system, it will just uh, flood the pot. It would just go all the way through, and then it will have to wick back up, like Robert mentions. Yeah, yeah, and so some people water that way. You know, that's the thing is depending on how you water, that's also a different factor. Yeah. Drip feed, irrigation like that, hand watering, or even the wick system, ebb and flow. Butt There's chugging. A, butt chug has a lot they of call cool it butt chugging. Call. Yeah, I know. I heard. It, yeah. I found out. I found out. Uh, we went to Root Weaver here in Michigan. There, Sorry, uh, boys. Can we, can we, what do they call butt chugging for those that are listening? Bottom feeding. Bottom water. Bottom feeding, yes. Putting it through the butt. And if you're into butt <laughs> stuff, it works pretty well. I've, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> pulling that out from the stash right there I'm, I'm doing it baby i'm seeing and pretty we're good demonetized. Results. boom you're welcome i'm the reason we're demonetized my name <laughs> rob from the the name that you that can't say on YouTube. you're not supposed to come from <laughs> we don't like we don't like it and he's always smoking yeah sorry but uh, you know that i've seen really good results that way same with ebb and flow same with things like that where you basically are letting the plant take up what it wants to take you're not it's not a guessing game quite as much. It's going to absorb it, you know? And if it's an even disbursement and you know exactly what you're doing in that sense, it could be a better run. And also for any uh, runoff or drainage, if, depending on where you're at. If you don't have the ability to have, you know, let's say you're in a basement and you've got a, a drain right there, or you don't want to have a million uh, plant saucer trays in your tent because it messes up the square footage and it kind of throws you off a little bit. In that case, bottom feeding could be better. I see people just use a tray, one big tray, and they'll water that and it feeds the plant. It just seems, in my personal opinion, it just seems like it's going to be less even disbursement of water for the plant in compared to coming from the top and letting it roll down and then maybe suck a little bit of that from the bottom, a little butt chug afterwards, I, you know? I, I actually, I would disagree. I, I think, <clears throat> isn't doesn't science tell us that water seeks 
like it seeks, roots will seek the water uh, too other like water like if you soak the corner of a paper towel what happens the water slowly goes up the paper towel on me. right so it like water looks for dry i guess is what i'm trying to say there's another this word this is bro it. science but i do agree i do agree what you're saying there is <laughs> so, like, so I, that's the whole I would wick almost idea argue with 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 watering from the top that it finds these channels and it, within the within the the, the the medium and that or at least I, I would say this within like a soilless medium like a potting mix sorry um it finds channels i don't know if you could say the same thing about pellets or like a a clay of some sorts or cocoa but and so I don't know. I don't know I, which way is better. I would be, I'd be interested to find out. I, I, know, I just Wick is slow. The, the, yeah, the it's going to be a slower. Will, it's very, it's very slow. So maybe that's the benefit. Chris but butt chugs will hit you quicker, is what I hear. So maybe <laughs> it works right the same way with plants. I don't know. <laughs> this is just as bro science. Yes, chat comment section. Please yeah, let us know if you're listening. You. Respond right after you hit uh, that like button. button. That would be cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, if you like videos like this uh, and you like listening to stuff like this, make sure you smash it, smash it. But, you know, I think that's where it comes oh, into Chris the watering style. Something. Drop it, Chris. Do it. Yeah, Zoom I was going to say, I had some difficulty doing the um, butt chugging butt chug. a, a watering from below and letting it seep <laughs> up when I want to keep to add some difficulty keeping that top layer moist. Right. When you're adding in t uh, dry amendments up top. It needs to be moisted. It needs to be moisted all time, so microbes can be there and can break down those nutrients, right? So, for example, I had the uh, auto pot system I ran um, last grow. I ran it for a few different grows actually, um, and I would do top dressing with organic nutrients. Um, and even with the bottom watering, it doesn't seem to go all the way up to the very top. You know, it seems like maybe like that. You know, top inch, maybe top two inches. I haven't really measured it, but uh, it, it stays kind of dry. Maybe it's just because the climate I'm in. I'm, I'm in a very, very dry climate. Um, you know, I'm growing in the desert here, so maybe that has an impact to it as it well, could. I would imagine. Um, but, you know, generally, I know for me moving forward, what I'm going to do is if I am using dry amendments top dressing, I am going to water up top Um because it just didn't work for me as far as watering the bottom and then letting it soak up all the way to keep those top amendments up top moist. So yeah, I think that um, depends now, on your even, feeding style. Yeah, and I even added in a, a mulch layer up top to kind of keep the soil below that mulch layer moist. And that's still, I mean, I guess it kind of worked, but still felt like I had some issues there. Well, like what about uh, for let's say hydroponic or deep water culture in particular? So like. Have you ever used or seen one of those rigs that you'd put on when you're first starting out that plant and you'd have a, a drip ring essentially that's going to water from the top so it's going to be able to get those young roots established and then eventually it's going to work its way down and then after that you don't need to use that top ring anymore. So in this case maybe it'd be you hand water up top with your dry amendments as you put them in. You get your mulch layer up there so that layer stays moist. Next feeding is going to be butt chugged. I'm going to always say butt chugged now. I love that. Um, you're going to butt chug next. And then that would be where you have the established root system. The moisture there is already basically been obtained and you don't have to worry so much about keeping that there because you have a mulch layer. Now the bottom is going to be able to keep your roots uh, engaged and going to be able to keep them moist. The roots are going to seek the moisture. The top has enough there. They'll work their way down. I think, you know, comparable how it would be again with hydro is you're going to be seeing once you get those roots established, they're going to go towards where the majority of the water is in the bucket. So if the water's coming from the bottom, they're going to reach to the bottom with, you know, the butt chug. So 
I don't know. That's another total bro science. I'd love for the comment section to grill me and let me know because I have no clue in that sense. Uh, with, with hydro, it would be a little different. And that's where like I'd like to circle into pH too. The difference of if people are like, oh, well, I just I don't even check my pH, my water. And it's like, again, depending on your water quality and your water type, the source. But then what if you're in something that's very pH dependent, like cocoa or like, you know, prime example, hydroponics, where the water is the water. You don't have a media influencing it. So in an inert media, you're going to need to really balance that pH. You're going to really pay attention to that pH and know what it is when it's going in and even after you add things to it. So when I did deep water culture, I used um, general hydroponic, unfortunately, and it worked decent. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like how they sold the devil, but they had just a three-part system, kind of like the Lucas formula. I ran with that. It did pretty well, but I noticed that it didn't affect my pH when I put it in, so I'd have to balance my pH after I added all the nutrients in. Then fast forward a little later, I used some pH perfect um, advanced nutrients, and I didn't have to do that, but I didn't think about it, and I still fucked with my pH, and it was low, and it was really, really noticeable for the plant. I've had those occurrences with soil, and I don't notice it nearly as bad because it's more forgiving because the soil seems to work in a symbiotic relationship with the water. Have you guys noticed um, the different factors of how extreme the pH can be? I know, P, you're lucky already, but... Um, out of the tap versus let's say RO or using some sort of filter there, the pH fluctuation and controlling that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my water source is hot trash. Like I mentioned earlier, it comes in <laughs> real high PPM and there's, there's sometimes like the, the pH coming out of it, it, it varies. It's just, it's weird. Sometimes it's at 7.5, sometimes even higher than that 7.8. And uh, you know, I heard the advice that you should ignore pH and I watered in my plants at that thinking that they were going to buffer. Try it. Why not? And my pH was too high, too much sodium in there, bicarbonates, whatever. And uh, my plants suffered. They got locked out. You know, I checked the runoff pH and it was high. It was above seven. So um, it goes back to the water source to begin with. So being familiar with your water source to begin with. And if you do need to add in a little bit of pH down to get into the proper range, you know, do it because there are specific ranges for nutrient uptake. Um, and if you're out of those ranges, your plant will show deficiencies. That's it. pH, potential hydrogen. Either you're going to increase or decrease the potential hydrogen within your, with, within your source. And if you are too high, too low, nutrients will only be able to uptake based on that, 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 that avenue that's open for them. And if it's if it's too high, like you, I, I don't understand the idea of ignoring your pH because just when you apply the knowledge of pH and nutrient uptake, your, your plant it will not uptake. It cannot uptake nutrients inside or outside within the scope of pH. That's that, that's why you need to keep it dialed in. Uh, so so uh, again, yeah, I've been very fortunate the last couple years year or whatever, two years now, I guess it is since we bought the, built this thing. Uh, no, no changes to the, the water whatsoever. Lucky man. And it's great. It's great. It's, but yeah. Man. Oh yeah. No, no huge totes running with aerators in them and bubbles and open sources of fish tank, like nothing. And it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. See, and that's where it, it, it depends on where you live is such a big factor. Knowing the water that's going in is a big factor. But even as you're watering and you know everything like that, you guys ever ran into the salt pocket buildups or ran into the uneven watering or the coning? You ever have like it looks like uh, the outsides, 
lot of, of soils pushed up and then it's there. Mm -hmm. That uneven watering can be a real issue that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to. And you sleep on the fact that coming in from a corner of your tent and always hitting that one spot, it's it's going to eventually just work its way down like a uh, like a pit in your a media. Channel. Yeah, you have yep. a channel built up in there and it's not going to evenly moisten the, the roots right. And what's going to happen is part of the roots are going to get more moisture and when you end up pulling that plant, you're going to end up seeing that they're kind of brown and nasty in that spot. Compared to everything else, it's going to be a little more vibrant because it hunted for the water. Instead, you have a direct water source just flooding and flooding and flooding. And I, it happens to me more times than not in cocoa. So I tried to do, I mean, a wetting agent, if you can get that, is very beneficial. You can, I think there's Jadam you can make. Green Goblin's got a video on that. Um, I used to use SM90. They pulled that. Hopefully, I don't have cancer now. I don't know what was in it, but it's gone now. Um, and so there's a lot of Yaka. things you can do. Yucca, yep. Yucca. I use yucca. That's what I use. Even uh, aloe vera can, can potentially be a little bit of a beneficial there. It's going to also help with uh, stimulating your roots and get the natural like rooting hormone that's already within the plant itself. So it's it's pretty cool there. But a lot of things to be able to uh, disperse that water properly too. Yeah, I, I too I, I tend to have uh, issues with the the coning inside my pots. But again, that's that's the the idea of having the fabric because I feel like that the soil's never really pressed up or not soil, sorry, the potting mix is never pressed up against the pot. There's always like a there's always like a small couple finger gap between the soil, bucket soil, potting mix and the and the and the pot. So yeah, I, I do suffer from that as well. But it's just it's important to water the outside of your pot, even watering, nice and slow. Take your time. That's that's it. That's the fabric pot way. You, you can't you can't flood it out, or you're or it's going to do just that. It's going to run out the outside, pool in the middle, and sink, and the outside doesn't get any water, or not the outside, the rim kind of thing. Yeah, and you know it's a benefit of doing the plastic pots, which I mean I already kind of talked about flooding the medium and that it comes down evenly and stuff like that. But yeah, fabric pots is a whole different ball game in that sense for sure. You still can get the coning and stuff with uh, with plastic pots, but um, but yeah, a lot of it is yeah. how you water too. Like I used to be a little more aggressive and come in and just. Well, that I, and I was gonna say, like, uh... it's okay to add medium halfway through your grow. Because I do it often. I, that's oh, you know, sure. a lot of people don't. You see a lot of exposed roots. A lot of uh, you know, like a huge part of that ball is exposed through the top, and it's like cover that up, and it only uncovered because of the watering, and you know. <laughs> just pouring it on there like it's a torrential downfall you know it's yeah. like nice and easy you the the benefit of having an indoor grow is you don't have to deal with the elements of nature you can give her everything she needs perfectly and that comes down to the amount of water how you water and just how aggressive you water absolutely man you know another factor i think a lot of people don't think about too is when you're adding in your nutrients into the water, how it can be a factor with that higher PPM of now your math is going to be off. We didn't really touch on that with the PPM. There is some people be like, well, I'm shooting for, you know, 800 right now. It's like, all right, well, you're starting at 450 playboy. So good luck. <laughs> think about that. So, but you still need to add these newts in, right? We'll add them in and check your PPM now. And like, holy shit. And that's where you may potentially want to consider a filter. I'm using the boogie brew filter. It comes out still around like 150 PPM. There's still shit in there, still but it's half not, as much. It's yeah, it's half as much as what's in there. And and for me, number wise, it works really well. I'm seeing great results. Um, it, it's easy to use too because compared to something like a small boy, that's what I used for some years. That takes so damn long. It's like a coffee straw having your water come out, and I've overflowed the kitchen like ten times. 
because I don't I'm way more than 10 times because I forget because I'm like, it's been like 30 minutes. This, this five gallon bucket is still filling. Like I got two more to do. And I just come in here and start working and all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, and I just jump, knock over my coffee. I'm like, ah. So it's, it, the factor of using a filter, I, I think unless you have like really good well water, I really recommend it to almost everybody other than P who's got a filter in his town. Um, just for the simple fact that you have more control in that point because you run into more issues when you're just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. It really is difficult because water quality and water control is one of the biggest factors into making sure your nutrient uptake is proper, that your media is taken care of properly. I mean, even if you're doing a foliar spray, like there's so many variables that come into it. You don't want to mess it up. You really don't. Yeah, I've been using a uh, reverse osmosis system uh, for several years, so many years. Um, there's five stage systems that you can do, right? I think I have a, a five stage reverse osmosis filtration system. There's six stage. So the five stage is going to get me down to about 20 PPM, 20 to 40 PPM roughly is what uh, mine goes down. So remember my tap water starts at 485, strips it all the way down to 20 PPM. So that's huge because you're starting off kind of on a, on a clean slate in a sense. And then I add my nutrients. Um, Shit, what did I want to say? I wanted to say something else in regards to that. Oh, the sixth stage. So there's a sixth stage to where if you're really concerned um, and you want to add in additional, the sixth stage actually adds in stuff. So it adds in the calcium, adds in some other minerals. I don't have the sixth stage, but some people like to use reverse osmosis for drinking as well. Uh, there's a lot of controversy behind there. We won't get into it, but the sixth stage will add minerals back in. So you can use it as drinking water and it adds in calcium, which the plants need. So um, look into five stage and six stage RO uh, filtration systems. And I think the price difference, I think you're looking at like maybe a little less than 200 bucks for the five stage and like a little bit over 200 bucks for the six stage. So and those are like ones you can install under the sink correctly. Yep, goes right into your sink. Correct. Just uh, it, yeah, it hooks up to your your cold water line underneath the sink, and then uh, ho basically the line goes from there to the actual system. It'll go through the five stages. Uh, one will go to the tank, so you got like you know the one I have. I think it holds like two gallons, two and a half gallons, and then there's a drain line. So you actually have to uh, drill a hole in your underneath your sink in the drain line, and yeah. then that line will get attached to there. Um, so all the, um, all the gunk will get drilled, uh, filtered out there. And there's a little bit more controversy with water waste when it comes to RO systems. So for every gallon of water, you're looking at wasting about, it takes about three gallons for every gallon, roughly. Okay. Now what you can do instead of wasting that is have your drain line go to a bucket and water your outdoor plants with that. That's what, yeah. uh, shout out to Doggo. He does that. He taught me that one. I'm like, oh, hell oh, yeah. the motherfucking G. Yeah, so you're not wasting that. So there's no Smart. waste, right? Yeah, Green. that's a good idea. Well, that's the key thing, man, is, is you got plants that are going to be more finicky and more, more apt to act weird. You know what I'm saying? Like I've had that with certain cultivars. But then a lot of times it seems like outdoor plants in general are more resilient. But different types of plants, tomato, cucumber, I mean, anything like that, usually, depending on the soil, depending on the media, potting mix, whatever, is going to be more resilient and have a buffer that's going to help you if there's any sort of extra bullshit in there. As long as you don't have the chloramine, and even still, like, how many people just go outside with their hose and spray and water and their plants look beautiful? Many. You Myself know, most people. Yeah, I was going to say, I water all my plants <laughs> outside. Got beautiful plants outside. With the yeah. hose, you know what I'm saying? And, These and hose, no. 
we should also talk just to touch on uh, the idea of using rainwater or or collected water as your source for indoor one. plants. Um, it, generally speaking, if you're collecting it in some kind of apparatus, like some kind of rain catching apparatus, um, you know, uh, it make sure you're testing the pH. You want you want to be familiar with your water regardless of source, whether you're getting it from the tap, whether you're getting it from your your outdoors, whether you're getting it from your your neighbor's house. <laughs> uh, you want to you know the source. And if you are getting it from a rain barrel, this is collecting from the roof, come and say through your eaves trough down down into a barrel, you collect it, make sure you're familiar with the pH and your parts per million. But but what I want to kind of reiterate or I want people to remember is if you're if you've got shingles on your roof, shingles are petroleum based. Um, so essentially, you've got oil in that water. So just be a little cautious in terms of where it's coming from. So you'll check parts per million and you don't really think of petroleum in your water, but uh, it, it could be. Well, one other thing to add, if you are collecting water and, and storing it, for however long period, make sure you're storing it in dark containers where light's not getting in or else you get algae growth, right? So algae, that's how it grows is, is light. Um, and uh, I know some people have been using white containers for growing and then they pull the roots out and there's all algae all in and stuff because the light is just piercing mm -hmm. right through those white containers. I think there's a, a company that makes grow bags that are white yes. and it's yes. just loaded with algae everywhere. It's like... Uh, you can avoid that. And how do you kill off algae? You guys know? You guys both know. Chlorine. Well, yeah. Chlorine. I was going to say, but if you use chlorine, chlorine it's it. like so, it's going to kill a lot of other stuff, though. How do I get rid of algae? Chlorine. So, I mean, if you really want to get rid of algae, just chlorine. But, yes, it is but, going to kill uh, other microbes as well. Gets rid of I was going to say, but the shit. problem is, is, yeah, is people, I've seen people who are like, well, I'm going to just do a little run and I'll put some H2O2 in here and I'll run it to the roots. And it's like... If you got a real problem, yeah, but you're going to kill off the other stuff too when you do this. And, and that's the thing that people don't realize too is even with the flushing, like, oh, well, I'm flushing out, you know, I've got a salt buildup. It's like you got nothing now. It's becoming an inert media. So you're going to have to re-add everything to it. You're going to have to treat it like it's cocoa almost now. Your soil is no longer soil. It's dirt. Like, I mean, dirt. not dirt, but it's you got to put some work into there now. And the same thing goes in that sense too. I've got a buddy who will flush in between like every other feeding. And I really don't understand it. And he swears by it. His plants are his vibrant green. But it seems like they grow really slow. It seems like he's always got some stress. And it's like he's got a week of recovery time just to let them dry back. So I'm like, your roots are being choked every so often. And it's like, yeah, they're living. But it's like if you every so often someone's choking into the end of your life, you're just killing off some brain cells or they're, they're slowing down your growth maybe a little bit. But I came time. back stronger, it's like, bro. It's like, calm yeah. down, calm down. You know, no, I think but, you're wasting you're wasting nutrients. That nutrients, water, time, all of Effort, it. You know, all of it. Yes, all of it. All of it. I, and that's where I can't agree and things like that. But to each their own. You know, this is just three guys who grow. Okay, that's all it boils down to. And we just got our opinion, our experience, and I'd say combine like thirty years about something like that. So mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna be thirty next week. So fuck, we've been growing about as long as I've been alive. So that's <laughs> what it is, man. That's what it is. And I think and this, you go. There's certainly not an end-all, be-all, everything you need to know about water, right? We could go on and but on about, we and we get nothing. deeper and deeper. Uh, there is so much to it. Um, and I would really like to know in the comment section, what tips do you guys have for water? What, what do we miss? What did we? What are some important things that you think people should know about water, all things water, relating to yeah. water when it comes to growing plants? You're Absolutely, totally right. Man. And we, we spoke, I don't even know, what was it, 40, 30, 40 minutes? And there's so much more. 
to talk about. We just scraped the surface of pH. We just scraped the surface of understanding the parts per million in your water. You know, uh, there, there's a lot, a lot to unpack yeah. when it comes These to. These could be uh, individual episodes or great discussions on twitch.tv slash from the stash podcast. What? Live every Tuesday and Thursday. We do that goddamn dang. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great chat, boys. This was good. This was good. Did yeah, we miss anything? Stuff. Was there anything you guys wanted to add? I, I think, think we nailed it. I think we nailed that shit tight. It's Maybe. up to you guys well, the then. Ch- comment section will let us know. Comment let section. Know. Yep. The let like know. button will let us matter? know. They'll let us know. Appreciate that. But yeah, I think that's great, boys. Uh, that Fantastic. being said, it's your boy Robin CLTV. Pigeons. Mr. Grow It. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.